0: Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick.
1: And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Lisa Trucksaw, who is the director for the Office for Worship here at the Pastoral Center for the Diocese of Orange. Welcome, Lisa.
2: Thank you. It's great to be with you.
1: And before we get started, because we're going to be talking an awful lot about St. Joseph, would you please lead us in a brief word of prayer?
2: I will. In fact, I'm going to start with a prayer that the Holy Father gave to us in his recent apostolic letter, which we'll talk about a little bit. So let us begin in prayer. Hail, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to you God entrusted his only son. In you, Mary placed her trust. With you, Christ became man. Blessed Joseph, to us too. Show yourself as a father and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy, and courage, and defend us from every evil. Amen.
1: Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Lisa, a few months ago, we weren't even talking about you coming in because everything was going all straight and normal. and. Everything was all planned out. Everything was ready to go. then, of course, two things happened. One had to do with the COVID-19 virus getting, of course, threw everyone off. But then the Holy Father, who led by the Holy Spirit, uh, dropped a surprise on everyone. What happened?
2: Well, on December 8th, the Holy Father uh, introduced an apostolic letter on St. Joseph. That happens to be the anniversary, the 150th anniversary of when St. Joseph was named as the universal patron of the church, and so to commemorate that, the Holy Father wrote a letter giving us a reflection on St. Joseph. And as he wrote in the letter, the aim of this apostolic letter is to increase our love for this great saint, to encourage us to implore his intercession, and to imitate his virtues and his zeal.
1: Okay, so he told us to imitate his virtue and his, and his zeal, What else happened as a result of his letter? What did that do to the year, liturgically speaking?
2: It was a great surprise to all of us. So we (laughs) then scrambled a bit, to be honest with you, and looked at opportunities that were given or suggested in the letter itself. Because we're
1: now in the year of St. Joseph. We're in it. There we're was no, no real for this. Congratulations. <laughs> no, St. Joseph <laughs> is now praying for you, and you are going to be doing the year of St. Joseph.
2: And there was no planning. It was just like, ta-da! Um, so we we did scramble a bit, and the directors of ministry departments at the Pastoral Center uh, were able to um, brainstorm a bit about this. And the natural feasts, if you will, were looked at as opportunities to introduce Prayer to St. Joseph and to ask for his help, and to look at how we can use St. Joseph as a model for ourselves. So, on the Solemnity of Holy Family, the bishops invited people to pray that prayer that I just uh, offered. It is listed on the uh, Office for Worship web pages. So, if anybody wanted to read that prayer, you could find it under worship.rcbo.org. And then go to the prayer button, and you would find it there in multiple languages, because, of course, we have it available in in English, Spanish, Vietnamese, and Korean on that site. So that was the first step that the diocese offered, was just to um, set the tone by praying.
1: Let's enlist prayer for St.
2: Joseph and from from him. Yes, okay. so that seemed to be a good a good, a good start. start. <laughs> like it. Uh, and and the Holy Spirit can launch um, this exploration of this great saint for us. Then,
1: well, I understand that everyone has already memorized everything Saint Joseph has already said, <laughs> because if you look through the scriptures, you don't find him in the Gospel of John at all, or in the Gospel of Mark. You'll find a little bit of Joseph in Matthew and in Luke, but only. By description, yes. because he has said absolutely nothing. He's the silent saint in Scripture. Yes. And yet, how profound. My patron is St. Joseph, so I've done a lot of looking and not fighting a whole lot, except, of course, his silent example. Yes. So when you're looking at trying to plan a liturgical year, because that's kind of what you do, you you plan it and assist people in planning, if I understand correctly, yeah. how, how parishes can best embrace an opportunity like this a year where hey let's let's think and reflect and pray about Joseph yes about his strengths about his character about what we know about him and and what we we believe how did that impact you and what you do and where did that go here in the diocese
2: well it gave me a chance to read the apostolic letter pretty closely <laughs> and the thing that caught my attention was the um, titles that the Holy Father used to describe St. Joseph. And um, I found those to be really good launching points. And I encouraged uh, liturgical coordinators at parishes to look at that. He's called a beloved father, a tender and loving father, an obedient father. He's also called an accepting father, a creatively courageous father. And the other two are a working father and a father in the shadows.
1: Wow, those are all incredibly insightful, and they just invite unpacking.
2: Yes, they really, really do. One line that that the Holy Father wrote about the father in the shadows that I found really something to ponder was, fathers are not made, not born, not but made. A man does not become a father simply by bringing a child into the world, but by taking up the responsibility to care for that child. Whenever a man accepts responsibility for the life of another, in some way he becomes a father to that person. So uh, all of these men in my life that have offered to assist children or people in developing to their full potential are a great model of what St. Joseph, who's, who St. Joseph is.
1: So I, I would like to, to spend some time, but we'll do it probably in the next segment, going over some of those, those things we, you just mentioned from the apostolic letter on St. Joseph from our Holy Father. Um, I, I want to talk for a moment about fatherhood in general then for just a moment and how that St. Joseph, especially in a time like we have right now, is perhaps an inspired um, choice by the Holy Father to give us on two levels. One, from a practical perspective, if there was a time when you need to have your father just sheltering you from harm, in in a pandemic where hundreds of thousands of, of Americans have died, millions have died worldwide, more millions have been infected, and many of them are going to have lingering effects, it looks like, from covid this is a time when we want to be reassured that we have the saints praying in heaven. One of the wonderful things about being a Catholic, and I really would like to, to address this with you later because I happen to know a little bit about your background, but I'm a convert to the Catholic faith. I come out of the Presbyterian tradition. But in Protestantism in general, the idea that the saints are out there somehow involved in our lives is, is a little distant. We'll still hear the funerals from some time that yeah, they're looking down at us now, but generally speaking, they don't have a very well-articulated uh, engagement with those who've gone before us in the faith. And what was wonderful about becoming Catholic is all of a sudden you have all these formerly physically alive, now spiritually empowered and alive in heaven, like they're, like they're in this this great big arena, and we're on the playing field, and they're cheering us on. <laughs> it's
2: a great description.
1: <laughs> but there's another way of thinking about it, too, when you're alone in the cave and you're all by yourself, and you need to have your father come near To have Saint Joseph in the middle of a pandemic be called to come to our aid and to pray for us seems to be beautiful. Yes. On the one hand, that's the the first thing that that strikes me as being so very appropriate by our Holy Father. But the other, right now, fatherhood seems to be under attack. Mm -hmm. In some ways, there's some justifiability for parts of it. Patriarchy has had a horrible history. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there's a whole role that has been embraced and is part of the revelation of God's love in fatherhood. Does the Holy Father say much about that role that he would like St. Joseph to help remind us of in this time of questioning about masculinity and fatherhood?
2: Yeah, actually, there's quite a bit that the Holy Father offered. He pointed out that Joseph found happiness not in mere self-sacrifice, but in self-gift.
1: This self-gift,
2: self-gift, this love that is offered to us by our fathers and by men who um, take that fatherhood role for us—the self-sacrifice is giving up for me. The self-gift means that I'm giving something to someone else; that it is something oh. that we share, yeah. as opposed to me just giving something up. Yeah. It's that link. In that self-gift that I think is so powerful, that uh, is a wonderful image for me and St. Joseph.
1: And, and that's something that I think perhaps uh, would be very helpful mm-hmm. for our society to reflect upon a little bit, is that fatherhood is, is about sacrifice on the one hand, but primarily it's about self-gift. Yes. Joseph was silent not because he didn't have anything to say, but he had mm-hmm. far more to do. And so when it was time to make sure that his pregnant bride was protected but yet needed to be moved, he did. And when it was time for the newborn and family to evacuate to Egypt, he did. And when it was time to come back and face Archelaus, he did. Yeah. And he did everything faithfully and lovingly as a just man who wanted to do the right thing at all times and God was kind enough to intervene. It's always been a sacrificial gift. I think they're linked for him in this. Yes, yes. So this, this he sacrifices, kind of that silence almost represents it, doesn't it? Yes. The yes. idea that he has nothing to say in scripture except a whole bunch to do.
2: Yeah. Wow. Sometimes just our presence offers more uh, strength and a better example than the words or how we can get in, in our way of ourselves with what we're saying, Right. Um, the biggest testimony to me always is the example of somebody's life, not how they describe their life.
1: You know, one of the things we we learn in counseling and pastoral counseling training is that when tragedy happens, like people who are infected with COVID nineteen or you've lost someone to COVID nineteen, there really isn't anything that you can say. No. All they really need is to have a still, steady presence. For the most part, that's most what of what people want. They need to know that there is something beyond themselves, including love. And if you can represent, you basically stand in the place of God at that moment. Yeah. And as a father figure coming to stand beside us, that steady presence, he doesn't have to say anything. No. He just needs to be present. Wow. We're talking with Lisa Trucksaw, who is the director for worship, the department of worship for the Diocese of Orange. And we're talking about the year of St. Joseph, which we're in. Much to our surprise at the beginning, because our calendar year actually starts January 1st, but our liturgical year starts a few weeks before that, right about the same time that the Holy Father uh, announced. We're going to pay special attention to St. Joseph. And when we come back, I want to go over some of those major points that the Holy Father made in his apostolic letter, You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back
0: a word of reflection from Christ's Cathedral Organist and host of Sounds from the Sanctuary, David Ball. In St. Louis, there used to be these sort of clubs for Eucharistic adoration. It was really people watching the church all night. Each person would take an hour with the Blessed Sacrament exposed. My parents, we, we used to do this a couple times and so I remember going to St. Gabriel, the Archangel in South St. Louis. It would be one in the morning and you'd knock on the door and the one person who was scheduled for that hour would come out, look through a little peephole, let you in and then you'd lock yourself in the church for an hour of stillness and meditation and prayer and whatever. And as a kid, it was interesting. It just introduced the idea of stillness to me at a young age. Catch Sounds from the Sanctuary Saturday nights at 10 on Relevant Radio or find the podcast at OCCatholic.com.
1: Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Lisa Trucksaw, who is the director for the Department of Worship here at the Diocese of Orange, and we are talking about the Year of Saint Joseph and how the Holy Father, in bringing this this beautiful surprise to us at the beginning of the of the church year, asked us then in this letter that he wrote to us this beautiful apostolic letter which you can get from the Vatican site or a couple of other sites. He gave us some reflections on St. Joseph that I think are quite apropos for our times, not just because we're going through this very scary pandemic, but because we're also going through times of questioning about what fatherhood's all about. And St. Joseph, of course, is the prime father in Christianity that we, we think about. I mean, we, we think about a number of fathers throughout our, our tradition, Lisa. We think about Abraham. We can think about any of the, the fathers that existed with Abraham, I think is probably the yeah. the most appropriate. As a spiritual father, Moses, of course, uh, comes to mind. But Joseph stands out because he took on a sacrificial but giving role as being the foster father for Jesus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the the Holy Father, Pope Francis, in discussing him in his letter, he talks about an, a number of different qualities. And you mentioned those. He, he has them beautifully outlined in his letter. Let's go over some of those. Okay. What's one of the first qualities that uh, Pope Francis discusses with St. Joseph?
2: He um, reminds us that St. Joseph uh, himself, St. Joseph reminds us that those who appear hidden or in the shadows can play an incomparable role in the history of salvation, a word of recognition and gratitude is due to these saints and these examples of people who are around us who are the unspoken heroes. Uh, yes. And in the middle of this pandemic, we can think of a lot of them, right? We yeah. can think of the healthcare workers, but it can be even more basic and behind the scenes than that. Yeah. It's the people who are actually maybe manufacturing. The masks, it's it's all the people that are contributing in some way to the common good of all of us.
1: I'm thinking about when I'm thinking now more than a year ago, but I'm thinking when in the, the rhythms of the parish life, we have all these different things that go on. And there's always a cadre, of very quiet, usually men, young men, old men, sometimes Knights of Columbus types. Who will set up all the chairs and make sure that they're all taken care of. Who m- do different things to empower the, the parish, yet, yet no one really talks about them, and they usually will, as- will askew having much glory given to them. Yes. I know uh, we had to cancel or postpone, I guess it's been canceled, the man of the year for this year because of the of COVID, but part of that has always been to recognize men who've been behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh it's it's never been about what did you do that was so glorious it was always what have you done that have inspired people from behind yes and saint joseph is a perfect example of that yes Where again he's not the one that's going to be speaking you can memorize everything he ever said uh instantaneously it's harder to memorize what his actions are because they're, they're profound yes but they're always behind the scenes what else, what other insight did the Holy Father have on Joseph?
2: Well, he talks, the Holy Father talks about Joseph teaching us that faith in God includes believing that God can work even through our fears. And I think during this pandemic, oh, wow, yes. it's a great example. And you think of all the, the fear occasioned events in St. Joseph's life yeah. when, you know, when the family was threatened by Herod and, and all the many things that St. That Joseph faced. And he trusted God in all of that
1: from the um, very from the very beginning. Even when he was afraid that his wife to be may have been unfaithful, I mean, what are you going to think when your your fiance says, um, <laughs> yeah, "God did it, <laughs> really?" <laughs> yeah. But but he believed what God told him in a dream, and he was willing. That had to be very scary. I mean, how often do you even trust your dreams? And yet <laughs> he did
2: he trusted the lord to steer him in the right direction and
1: he did in, in at, at all times at all times so there's a faithfulness that's there in that fatherhood and in that in the man's actions
2: and i i don't think it's a matter of glibly saying we shouldn't be afraid that's i don't think a a real experience but the ability to trust even in that fear yeah. is the strength that St. Joseph offers to us.
1: In the middle of a firefight, when the order comes to go over the hill, everyone is terrified. If you're not terrified, you're not a hero.
2: That's right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it's especially now, you know, we think we should be giving up our fear. You know, I don't think that's realistic. But the trust, even in the midst of the fear that can be paralyzing, is really what St. Joseph reminds us to do.
1: We, We are afraid. Okay, Lord, but now help me through it.
2: Yes. Exactly. And also we remember that St. Joseph was called by God to serve the person and mission of Jesus directly through the examples of his fatherhood. That in this way, St. Joseph cooperated in the fullness of time and in the great mystery of salvation and is truly a minister of salvation because of how he cooperated with God, despite the fear, despite all the challenges that were given to him to um, walk through. He had a role. He had a role.
1: A, and God had, pl- you know, we're, we're told that God has already figured out what we're going to do from the moment of conception. Right. And Joseph had a role and he played that role. We don't know why things happen to us, but we're told that the Lord works for good in all that happens in us in the end. It doesn't mean everything was good while it happened. <laughs> Right. <laughs> or felt good. Right. But it means it's working out toward our good or for the greater good. And Joseph trusted that, acted on it, and fulfilled a role. It's a good reminder that our lives, so much that is done in our lives, so much that is done as as men is to, to work and to be faithful in making sure that that one thing you do to work and to do what you can in, in order to provide for your family, however that is. Yeah. that that you don't lose sight of of that. And Joseph
2: fulfilled his role. In that greater good. But he also didn't look for shortcuts. He confronted reality. He met it straight on with open eyes. He accepted the, the responsibility and went forward. And in our time now especially, I think that's a great example for fatherhood, this not looking for shortcuts because we're always trying to make it easier, right? Yeah. Um, Well, it's sometimes living through those hardships that help form us and make us more faithful to God's call in our life.
1: The idea that Joseph was called to do a specific role meant that there were certain things he had to do even if he didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And rather than ignore those, by embracing those, he accomplished what God had in mind even if he didn't.
2: One of the things that the Holy Father offers us um, in this apostolic letter is to look for prayers for St. Joseph, but to remember that Wednesdays we look at those opportunities to pray, to ask for St. Joseph's help, and to ask for his intercession in guiding us, in allowing us to see God's will for our life.
1: We have that opportunity given to us in a way through St. Joseph that, again, is a steady presence, and we experience it more than we're told about it. And it's that lesson I think that the Holy Father was trying to remind us of. This isn't about words; this is about action. Yeah. What else did the Holy Father?
2: Oh, there's give to us? lots and lots and lots. I don't want to take the opportunity away <laughs> from people to actually read the letter, but um, those titles that I mentioned at the very beginning I think are really a great example of who Saint Joseph is for all of us and ways to ponder this great saint's role and uh, the importance of fatherhood in all of our lives.
1: One of the things that people will remind us uh, from time to time is that Jesus was from the body of Mary, that um, he was formed in Mary's flesh, of Mary's flesh, but he learned how to be a Jewish man mm-hmm. from his father. Mm-hmm. And all that you see in his actions and interactions with the people around him in. When he is in Capernaum, when he is preaching, when he is teaching, when he is healing, when he is talking, all of that was influenced, all of that was formed in his relationship with St. Joseph. And St. Joseph may not, therefore, be speaking much in Scripture, but in a way, a lot of what we see in Jesus himself, even though there's no biology there, is from Joseph. Mm-hmm. I think of people who come from blended families who often will have a stepfather or a stepmother from, from time to time, but in our society, up until recently, it's been more common to be raised by a, with a stepfather in the family. And to learn from that stepfather is so important. Mm-hmm. And that role can be so, so... And this is kind of the role that Joseph had as foster father of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, a, a great blessing to think about, yes... When you look at Jesus, you are seeing the the cellular structure of Mary, but you're looking at the fatherhood of Joseph coming through an echo.
2: Well, we understand in human development that it's nurture and biology both um, that helps form us in who we are. And so uh, we see that example in St. Joseph's life. Uh, One of the titles of St. Joseph uh, attributed to the feast day on May 1st is St. Joseph the Worker. And that's always been a very attractive image for me or title for St. Joseph because, again, he's the one, the silent worker, the one that makes things happen, that gets things done, um, but that we don't always necessarily hear about.
1: That particular feast day is interesting because it came in the context when 130, 40 years ago of the the beginnings of what eventually becomes a Marxist-type movement where where the workers became a a movement. But this feast of Joseph the Worker was a reminder that work is not just something you do out of drudgery that you have to do and therefore can negotiate the least amount for the most amount of recompense. It's a privilege, it's a duty, it's a calling, and it's part of your fatherhood and motherhood. It's, It's part of providing that nest, that nurturing element of what eventually becomes in Jesus' life, the Holy Family, but is brought to our lives. It's a reminder that you cannot sterilize what we do and separate it. It really is a part of our call. Yes. And it's a reminder that in Christianity, it's a little bit different than just Marxism out there. Oh, absolutely. In Christianity, it's all about God gives us a call, and that call is part of our nature. This is one of the reasons why when... In our discussions these days, with all the different changes that many in our society would like to make, I think our Holy Father is asking us to pause for a moment. Hit the pause button. Mm -hmm. Let's reflect a little bit. What is fatherhood? Which raises a question about family. And as you brought up, it's not just biology, it's nurture. What are the roles that go into this? That's important in this too. When we come back, I want to shift gears for just a moment. I want to talk a little bit about you, Lisa, because you've had quite an interesting background as well. We're talking to Lisa Truxaw, who is here from the Office of Worship at the Diocese of Orange. And when we come back, I want to ask her about what brought her to Catholic faith. We'll be right back.
0: Reflections from Father Al Baca, Director for Evangelization and Faith Formation in the Diocese of Orange, California. Here's a brief clip from Father Al's guest appearance on "Empowered by the Spirit" with Deacon
3: Steve Greco. If there is someone that you see that is living a life that just seems to be in tune with God and what the needs are of the the church and so forth, then take a step. You know, you never know. I mean, there was one time when in confession. Without breaking the seal, I don't even remember much detail about it. It's been many years, but I remember all of a sudden I had this inspiration to ask a young man that was on the other side of the screen, have you ever thought of being a priest? I said, I think the Lord is calling you to be a priest. And and then he just was quiet. And then he said, how do you know that? And he said, I just finished the application process for and Praise God. And he said, and he was so happy because it was a real confirmation of what he had struggled with and decided to do so this is the kind of way that god works so beautifully is if we would just act on our inspirations this comes from the holy spirit inspiration amen Amen. and and so many times we shy away from it because we're afraid we might get rejected we're afraid that somebody may laugh we're afraid of whatever but We're really selling ourselves short because if the faith is alive in our hearts, God will work miracles. For more, go to occatholic.com.
0: That's occatholic.com.
1: And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Lisa Trucksaw. I got you to laugh, that's good. <laughs> and Lisa has been talking with us about St. Joseph and this year of St. Joseph in which we find ourselves. And what is fascinating is that he always had an understanding that he was a Jewish man to be faithful to God, but he did not understand that he was also called to raise the Messiah. <laughs> but he fulfilled that role when called. It wasn't a different role in a way. It was a fulfillment of his role as a Jewish man. And that transitions, believe it or not, to how I I wanted to address you for a moment. You, like me, were not a Catholic growing up, but yet you are here. And you're not only here, you're you're serving in an important position in the diocese of Orange, working with the bishop and working with a whole bunch of people to empower others to be Catholic. Mm -hmm. How did that happen, Lisa?
2: I ask God that all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing here? Okay, you may not quite put it that way. but <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that
2: way, but it's like, man, this is not the path that I would have ever envisioned my life turning. <laughs> I got married to my husband, by the, by, who coincidentally is named Joseph also. So this is a special year for us. And right after we got married, I was re-diagnosed with cancer. And they say
1: re diagnosed. Yes. Second occurrence. So, sorry, I caught that. So, (laughs) back up. Let's let's back the tape up. What happened before?
2: Well, I um, had uh, been diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease uh, while I was in college and did not want to subject anyone that I married to being a caregiver and so waited until you get the all-clear yeah. you know, five-year mark, right? right? And So supposedly you're in remission. right? Um, so that's when I even entertained the idea of getting married, and it was a year or so after that when we did get married. So it was quite the shock that the cancer had reoccurred, and it was quite advanced at that point. Oh, no. So my husband and I, uh, newlyweds of a month, were facing mortality. And we needed a common spiritual home. I did recognize that. I had not been practicing my faith, though I was raised Naz- in the Nazarene and Baptist churches. My huh. grandmother was a deaconess in the Nazarene church, and wow. I went to general camp meetings in the summer with her. And so uh, faith had been a part of my life when I was younger, but typical young adult, you know, getting your career started and. Social life that took precedence for me for a while.
1: But your idea of how Christianity functioned was very different. Quite a
2: bit different. <laughs> yes, quite a bit different. Those of
1: you who are familiar with Amy Semple McPherson and all that, all the roots that are there—that's yes. what you're talking about. Yes. Is that that S- end of the spectrum with
2: sola scriptura and very spirit-led and
1: speaking in tongues for people around you, if not yourself? Wow. Um, I
2: didn't experience that too much, but um, the unstructured worship. And the spontaneity was really a part of how I was formed. So um, after we were facing this diagnosis, my husband and I started trying to figure out where our spiritual home would be. So, so
1: Let's stop for a moment. So your husband named Joseph hears that... His new wife has a, a critical <laughs> medical condition, and doesn't panic and leave, but actually stays to try to take it. I'm hearing, the, I'm hearing echoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a great. <laughs> In fact, my husband, sort of story. My my <laughs> father
2: thought for sure that uh, I, my husband wouldn't stick around, and we didn't find that out for years afterwards.
1: Ah, so <laughs> he was taking bets with his <laughs> buddies at, at the yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so. Um, we started searching. I wasn't uncomfortable in the Catholic Church. I was really drawn to the ritual and what I fondly called at that point Catholic calisthenics. Yeah, yeah um, the, stand the stand sit, standing stand sit. The standing sit. Stand how, sit how, meal, why? Stand what sit are you meal. doing? Why? Uh-huh. You know. And my mother-in-law, God bless her, was a great example and very patient in explaining things. My husband was. You know, he would identify himself as Catholic, but he wasn't all that active in his faith at that okay. point. So um, we started going to some of the faith traditions that I'd been raised in. And my husband was very uncomfortable, especially when we made the mistake of filling out the pew card and then had a personal oh, call. Oh, put from- down
1: visitor. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, so
2: we had people coming to our door bothering us. It wasn't a welcomed intrusion. Um, because, of course, I was sick yeah, and sure. battling everything. That they we need to save through. your
1: soul right away. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. So the process of chemotherapy and radiation and hospitalizations went on for a couple of years. And during that time, uh, it became clear that the Catholic Church was what where we should call home. Uh, my husband, like I said, was not comfortable in the churches that I'd been raised in. I was drawn to some that sense of mystery, that... The orderedness of the Catholic Church yeah. was very attractive. And
1: what's interesting is there was never a doubt about faith in God. Oh, no. It was always about how do we understand this expressed. And, and how a- do
2: we share that as a couple? Yeah. We needed that grounding beneath us when illness and medical treatments and pain and all those things are shaking the very foundation of who you are? I
1: think our society is being reminded of that need yes. right now. Yes, I, I mean,
2: think so. I yeah. think so. So then, my husband and I met one on one. This was before RCIA was mandated. Yeah. Uh, right before it was mandated, so we met with a priest one on one. I was originally told when I went to a pastor that it would take two years in order to become Catholic. Having gone through this experience, I wasn't sure I had two years. Yeah. Time. Was meant something different to me at that point sure. in my life. And I'm not known for my patience anyway, and that was really... This gave a, you an
1: excuse <laughs> to not have any. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes.
2: So um, that's why we ended up meeting one-on-one with a pastor at a parish. And on June 21st, 1986, I was baptized and confirmed and received Holy Communion Wow! on a, a Friday evening. Bam, bam, bam. Yep, everything all at once. And at that point, you know, you think, you know, you, you'd make an informed decision on your own that, yes, this is where sure. I feel called, but you still don't you understand. You don't really
1: know. yeah.
2: And what I'm thankful for is that through the grace of the sacraments, I continued to grow that desire to know God ever more deeply. There's was a
1: physical, active. spiritual dynamic in the Catholic Church that's just different.
2: It is. It yeah. is. And that was, that was very attractive and nurtured me, and I went back to the parish that we were living close to, and told the pastor, well, I'm fully Catholic now, what what can I do? And, <laughs> oh, a
1: live one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
2: so I started going to classes about liturgy, and wound up at the wrong meeting one evening, and jumped into a Triduum planning meeting. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that was the end of that. I was, uh, I've been immersed in. I was going to
1: say that, that's either going to make you run away <laughs> screaming in terror or you're going to be totally hooked on it because there is, there is, you know, Holy Week is it for liturgy. Yes. Yes. Oh. So that's
2: how I, I, I started my path into becoming Catholic. So,
1: so you we were able to then work in the parish doing some liturgy work? Well, and I, went just, on to the I just volunteered. Or, um, yeah. In
2: fact, the RCIA director invited me to be a sponsor because she recognized that I didn't have all the experiences that RCIA does offer people. Yeah. Um, and I had the luxury of time then. So I got involved with liturgy and with RCIA and actually was working in the business field at that point in my life. When the pastor called my husband and I into his office, I was discerning changing vocations or jobs at that point, and my husband and I had just finished as festival chairpersons. And oh, God bless you. Yeah, exactly. Having
1: been a principal with the festival at my school. Oh, my school. Gosh. Oh,
2: wow. Yeah, I, we actually lived through that. <laughs> and so um, the pastor called both of us in, so we figured we were being asked to be festival chairs for the next year, right? Yeah when he offered me a part-time position at the parish. Wow. That pastor was Father Andy Belisario, who's now Archbishop of Alaska. Wow, very good. He was the one who called me into ministry, and I've been involved ever since.
1: Wow. So we are now in this pandemic, in this year of St. Joseph, and here you find yourself as a convert, now now very much formed— more forming to go, whether you like it or not, but <laughs> as we all know this, but from formed as a Catholic, helping to form others. So when you look at the apostolic letter of Saint Joseph, when you, when you reflect on what you know from scripture about Saint Joseph, when you think about how you've been impacted by your own husband, Saint in training Joseph, <laughs> <laughs> how do you handle trying to focus the entire diocese, it's not quite that simple, I I know, but how do you handle trying to direct an embrace of St. Joseph? How did that work for you?
2: One of the things that I have come to treasure about the Catholic faith is that we're not in this alone, not only because God is with us, but we have a community amongst us. We're saved as a people, right? So um, the ministry directors at the Pastoral Center... um, We've been able to continue meeting via Zoom uh, during all of this craziness um, to see how we're called to serve and to see also how we can collaborate because it's only in working as a group that we're really have any effectiveness. And so we started discussing the year of St. Joseph. And from that came up with some concrete ways that we could help people with this year of St. Joseph. The reality is is that at a diocesan level you can offer tools for parishes. We're not hands-on as right. we are in parishes.
1: If if you, you you may end up with a major event at some point in the year for the whole diocese and that's it as far everything else is going to be here are opportunities for you. Exactly. So parish so and so here's some tools we have, here's some ideas, here's some material and here's what other people are doing.
2: And and that's what we've been able to do is is offer parishes prayers. Father Al Baca was able to um, work with someone, a vendor, to get prayer candles for St. Joseph. Oh, good. And on the back is uh, the prayer that I started us with that is available in English, Spanish, Vietnamese, and Korean, depending on which candle yeah. you purchase that's available in some parishes that chose to make these available. So that was one concrete way that we could offer parishes tools. Uh, in addition, you know, just prayers and intercessions from time to time.
1: So your your job is kind of a, you remind me of a shepherd. You're trying to keep keep the, the sheep going in one general direction, but you're not necessarily out there leading them in that direction. No. You're just saying, okay, you're moving this way. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And hopefully offering some concrete tools um, so that people can can really take advantage and and lead in one direction or another. Good,
1: because when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about some of those tools and what some of the people in our diocese are doing with St. Joseph. We're talking with Lisa Trucksaw, who is from the Office of Worship. And um, as the director, she has this wonderful opportunity this year to... Help parishes embrace more fully a reflection on St. Joseph. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how our diocese is looking at that through the parishes.
0: Saturday mornings are a little brighter with host Rick Howick in Orange County Catholic Radio. Here's a soundbite with a recent guest, Dr. Louise Dunn, from the New Hope Crisis Hotline. It's
2: interesting, though, that even with people that tell us that they're atheists or agnostic, sometimes we ask them if they still want us to pray for them. How many people say, I can't hurt so we still offer that. But uh, if the person makes it clear up front, they don't want that. Of course, we, we don't pressure anybody in any way. Check out
0: OC Catholic Radio, Saturday mornings at 9 on Relevant Radio. Or come find the podcast at OCCatholic.com slash radio. That's com slash radio. 365 Days of Praise A Daily Guide Toward Transformation Through Praise By Deacon Steve Greco March 6th, John Chapter 16, verse 24 Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. Jesus tells his disciples repeatedly that they are to ask the Father anything and they will get it. For us, it may not appear to make sense or be feasible. We pray, but our prayers are not always answered. Is it a lack of faith? Was this only meant for the apostles? No, it is because we are not asking in the name of Jesus. This means we are asking in the will of Jesus. Indeed, Jesus cannot deny himself. Remember that it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith as big as a mustard seed will move the mountains in your life. Lord, help me touch your garment as I surrender in faith to your will in my life and with those I pray for. I praise you for being the source of all faith in my life. How do you look to God to gain more faith? When do you use your faith for convenience? How can you trust in God and be more faithful? 365 Days of Praise, a daily guide toward transformation through praise by Deacon Steve Greco. 365 Days of Praise is available now on Amazon Books or at SpiritFilledHearts.org. That's SpiritFilledHearts.org.
1: And welcome back. I'm Rick Howick, your host here at Orange County Catholic Radio. I want to stop for a moment and pause. I want to thank our guests so much. Lisa, thank you for, so much for coming in. Lisa Trucksaw has taken time away from a very busy schedule. A a director of an office in the diocesan level is very busy. So thank you very, very much for coming in. And she's not here on Zoom. She's here live in the studio with us, mask and all. So thank you very much for coming in and for sharing this time with us and for being so candid about how you have been formed in really a an experience of God that resembles a lot of the the themes that St. Joseph offers us, at least according to what the Holy Father outlined for us. So we've talked a little bit about uh, ideas. We've talked a little bit about the depth of St Joseph. We've talked about a lot of I hate to use the word ethereal, but a, a lot of uh, theory. Meat and potatoes, what's happening here in the diocese this year? You kind of got caught flat footed because the Holy Father got led by the Spirit kind of at an instantaneous level and said, Here, yeah, we're doing this. But what is the diocese going to do to try to help the parishioners who are listening to embrace a spirituality of St. Joseph better?
2: So the ministry directors um, uh, in the Pastoral Center brainstormed what we could do so that we could work on this together. And various offices and departments are taking the lead on different projects. So while the Office for Worship doesn't have a big project going forward, I can at least tell you a little bit about what some of the other offices are doing. The Office of Youth and Young Adults will be assisting with a consecration to St. Joseph. Oh, wow. And it's interesting because when we started talking about this, that concept had already been ruminating amongst the young adults. They really were attracted to this idea of consecration and of setting um, aside this year for this consecration.
1: So what does that mean to be consecrated? Is there something formal about it? Do you have to go through some ritual and have water sprinkled on your head? Or what do you do to be consecrated?
2: Uh, it's more an interior disposition than anything else. Um, there are some prayers that will be involved with this and a intentionality about those prayers on a regular okay. basis that sets us aside for this purpose of being holy that St. Joseph models for us.
1: So it's, it's a way for us as a community to acknowledge formally a set of intentions for people who want to embrace more completely a dedication to, to discovering what St. Joseph has for us spiritually.
2: That's a great description. Yeah. So, um, the Office for Youth and Young Adult will spearhead this effort. It will begin being advertised and more information going out on the Feast of St. Joseph on March 17th. So um, watch for things, um, mainly through social media. But there will be some on on the um, diocesan website as well that will start and actually end on May 1st, the uh, Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. Um, So there will be a little bit of time to get more information about it and then a commitment uh, towards the end of March, and then
1: March, April, um, May, summer, and this uh, we hope is going to be a good summer.
2: Yes, and then the Office of Pastoral Life and the Diaconate are working on putting together a retreat for men that focuses on this concept of fatherhood that is just permeates the letter, oh, the good. apostolic letter. That and is so,
1: so needed around the country. It I, really is. I really it hope really that is. this that goes really well.
2: Yeah. Um, now,
1: now say that again. Who's putting that together?
2: Uh, Pastoral Life, Linda G, okay. and um, the Office for Pastoral. But is it like, only for
1: deacons, or did you?
2: No, it's families. Uh, Pastoral Life is for families, right. uh, and then the diaconate Office is also assisting in this because, again, so we not have
1: for the deacons, but the deacons are helping to put this exactly. on. Oh, that is so good.
2: That because what we realize is that we can't do things as well on our own as one office. We can, right. but by collaborating.
1: Oh, you we, guys don't work in silos so well. <laughs> oh, we, we don't.
2: Uh, one of the unfortunate uh, side effects of the pandemic is a reduction in staff sure. at the Pastoral Center. Sure. So we're trying to utilize resources to our best advantage, yeah. to God's best advantage, I should say. Yeah. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's where this idea of coming up with a, uh, with a common retreat.
1: Now, when is this retreat going to I'm excited to hear that. That's.
2: Um, they're um, targeting that to occur somewhere close to Father's Day.
1: Oh, very good. So, so we'll at some June. time, we'll be looking for it. So this yes. retreat on fatherhood to coincide roughly with Father's Day. That will be so good. Okay. And
2: Enough. then um, this is uh, uh, still taking form, uh, but the uh, ministry to priests, Father Bruce Patterson, was talking about doing something that would help us focus on spiritual fatherhood, on the gift of priesthood to us. And it could be oh. as simple as a prayer, That might be offered in October, which is uh, the month when we tend to remember the gift of of spiritual fatherhood of our priests. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can look for more um, of that to come. We hope also to be able to offer some sort of a visual review of images of St. Joseph from our own diocese. So there's Uh many um, images in in our parishes, uh, statues, mosaics, stained glass, paintings that we're collecting at this point, point, sure. uh, and we'll see where that ends up leading us. Th- that uh, will be interesting, because
1: yeah. image, artistic images were done for a reason and a place and time. Yes. And to reflect on all of these different images would be very interesting.
2: And we also uh, um, need to recognize that culturally that can look different. Yeah. So yeah. one of the statues at St. Thomas Korean sta- uh, Center in Anaheim is done in the likeness of the Korean culture, the features as well as the traditional uh, dress. So it's very accessible for Koreans. It's an interesting twist for those that are not Korean because it makes you look at the core of who St. Joseph is, not just the extraneous, the the looks, (laughs) right? Um, Fatherhood is is universal. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But it does help make you look at things differently when you see it from uh, various cultures as well as the different artistic mediums. So we'll see. The Sisters of St. Joseph, we're blessed by having the Mother House here, right? Um, And every year uh, for the Feast of St. Joseph, they've done cards, prayer cards, artwork, original artwork. And I would suspect that we might see um, (laughs) a a history of some of those. Oh, that would be good, too. The the gift of... um, that congregation, sisters, period.
1: if you're listening, you've been volunteered.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they were the ones. They were, were the ones who came up with that. No, so I... we'll see yeah. how exactly that lived out. Um, and then we've even talked about, and we'll see how this, if this can come. Uh, it, it's such a challenging year to be working on this, right? But the reflection for our Catholic school students of who is Saint Joseph to you? Why is he important? Yeah. So um, we might even see something from the child's perspective.
1: So. You know, one of the things that is so true about our society is that there, there's a lot of brokenness in many, many ways, and a lot of that has to do with our relationships with our fathers. Uh, many, many people have difficulties there, which is one of the reasons why I, I am so thrilled to hear the highlights that uh, our Holy Father has given us in his apostolic letter About the qualities of Saint Joseph as a practical man, but as a father and what a father, how practically speaking, you can be a successful father image to the people around you. And that I think is so truly needed, especially in an era where so many people are questioning. But yet our church is full of fatherhood from the Holy Father to God the Father. (laughs) down to we call our priests father and then, of course, how do we deal with our own fathers and Jesus's foster father, Joseph, is a great icon, a great image. The wonderful thing about the word icon, it is an image of the revelation of God. And that's what St. Joseph does for us in so many ways. And I think our Holy Father expressed that very well.
2: Points to something beyond itself.
1: And Brings it back. Yes. Brings it back. And that's what I'm hoping that even though Joseph is totally silent in Scripture, our reflections on him will be helpful, if not life-changing for some of us. Lisa, thank you so very much for coming in and for spending time with us. Thank you for the efforts that you're doing, first of all, but thank you for taking that time to come in. Would you please lead us in a word of prayer?
2: Let's go to our basis which is how Jesus taught us to pray as we pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.
1: In the name of the Father, the Father and the Son, and, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio with me today. Has been Lisa Trucksaw. and Lisa. We've got so many things that are planned that are coming up. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that retreat that you were discussing. And I would recommend to everybody who hasn't had a chance to look at it to open up from either the Vatican website or I know EWTN has their material, but you can get it at a number of locations. The apostolic letter from our Holy Father, Pope Francis, on St. Joseph, which was issued back in December, and read through that and reflect through on that, and then go back and reread those those sections from Matthew and from Luke. They're short, but they deal with who St. Joseph was and what he did, and not so much what he said, but how he lived out his call to be that iconic father figure for us. Now, 2,000 years later, but probably more in need now of that icon than at any other time in the life of our church. You've been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. We come to you on the radio stations you're listening to, but if you would like to share this with somebody else later, you can go to our website, and this will be downloaded as a podcast shortly after broadcast. And that website is OCCatholic.com, and at OCCatholic.com, you can go to the radio tab, and pull down Orange County Catholic Radio, and there you will find all of our podcasts. This is a very difficult year, and to share a little bit of the comfort of fatherhood from St. Joseph would be very helpful, so I hope that you will do that. On behalf of all of us at Orange County Catholic Radio, I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week. Creating powerful moments on Orange County Catholic Radio. Here's host Rick Howick. I can tell you a a story about a a guy who was at a parish I used to attend back in Hemet. His name was Jerry. Jerry was confined to a wheelchair. He was in his 80s. He couldn't talk anymore. He was a Baptist who had been married to his wife who was Catholic, and they had an agreement that he would take her and the children to the Catholic Mass, and then he would go on Wednesday nights to a Bible study for the Baptists. And Jerry had been going for years and I saw him there sitting in the wheelchair and he looked like he was enjoying himself while he was there. And I went up to him and I asked Jerry, I said, Hey, Jerry, you're a Baptist. Do you like being here with all of us doing this whole Mm -hmm. Catholic Eucharist thing? And he nodded his head enthusiastically and smiled at me. And I said, Well, Jerry, if you ever want to become a Catholic, let me know. And he (laughs) nodded his head. Mm -hmm. I said, Jerry, are you saying you'd like to become a Catholic? And he nodded his head and began to cry. And I looked at his wife, who looked at me with these shocked eyes. I said, have you ever asked him? I said, not in years. And she came back with him the next week and signed me up as his sponsor. And he wanted to go through an abbreviated version Mm -hmm. of RCIA. A couple of weeks later, he was brought into the Roman Catholic Church, and he died about three months after that as a Catholic. Mm -hmm. Now, from my perspective, he may not have ever come to that without going through... The suffering he went Mm -hmm. through, the silence that he dealt with, the confinement he had in his wheelchair, and yet the love, because he was now dependent. This most independent man Mm -hmm. who was going to provide for his family now had been dependent for years on his wife and on the good people around him. He was dependent, and that changed his life at the end. Mm -hmm. Why would we want to short-circuit that?
0: For more, go to OCCatholic.com. That's OCCatholic.com. Or visit the Diocese of Orange Facebook page. Here's the Serenity Prayer, as shared by Scott Wieman of the Catholic in Recovery Ministry and a recent guest on Orange County Catholic Radio. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen.